The Rockford Symphony Orchestra Music Director finalist season continues this Saturday, November 8th at 7.30 p.m. at the Coronado Performing Arts Center. And this is Phil Davidson. Joining me today is Music Director finalist Vlad Vizzerano, who will be presenting From the Mothership to the Underworld this Saturday. Welcome to Rockford. Thank you so much, Phil. Great to be here. An excellent pronunciation. That was perfect pronunciation of my name. <laughs> well, we'll see if I continue to do it that way. Uh, let's begin by hearing something about you, where you're from, what you have been doing in the musical world, uh, you're conducting all over the country and all over the world, <laughs> and anything else you would like to tell about Sure, it. sure. Well, I... I was born in, uh, believe it or not, Transylvania, of all places, actually right next to Transylvania. So, as you can imagine, the Vlad Dracula jokes have been following me around my entire life. (laughs) But uh, I moved to the United States when I was four. I've uh, lived here ever since. I've lived all over um, California. I lived in Austin for, for a while. I moved to Indiana, Arizona, New York. So, I've, I've seen the country, you know, and... Uh, I think the way I like to always tell it is my career has been somewhat of a zigzag. You know, with uh, conductors, it's you don't usually start with conducting. That's something that, that comes a bit, um, you know, uh, after you've played an instrument, for example. And that was, yeah, that was where I got my start. I started playing piano when I was maybe about 10. And uh, I went to undergrad. I went to UCLA for piano performance, and I just kind of found found my new passions along the way. And the first one was, you may not believe this one, it was medieval musicology. I was studying <laughs> Gregorian chants and uh, 13th century songs and all, you know, all kinds of incredibly interesting stuff, actually. But I had a professor at the, at the time at uh, UT Austin who, for whatever reason, he just had an incredible intuition that has served me well since then. He said, Vlad, you should be a conductor. And man, oh man, was he right. You know, he, uh, he got me private lessons with uh, Peter Bay, the Austin Symphony music director at the time. And since then, it's just been, it was my, it was my niche. It was really, really clear that I found that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And actually, one more cute little story. I found a picture from when I was three years old <laughs> of, a pair of, of me in a pair of headphones that were three times the size of my head. Mm-hmm. And I was told that, at the time, I was I was listening to Linda Ronstadt, Just One Look, and I was actually moving left and right and up and down, and my arms were flailing about. You know, so I, there was always, I think, uh, inside me, there was always a physical expressiveness with, with music. So I think conducting was pretty much in my, in my blood. <laughs> you are described as not only a conductor, but also an educator. Um, and I'm quoting here, a regular presence on the competition circuit and an ardent advocate of new music. How about elaborating on this? Well, the regular presence on the competition circuit, that one I can say was, because the age limit's about 35 for competitions. I'm just over. I'm just over at this point. But competitions were, they were essentially how I got my start in this uh, in this crazy conducting world, I uh, I won second place in 2013 at the uh, Cadaquez, uh, 
competition in Spain. And uh, I was a finalist at the Flick competition in 2016. And uh, I had the great pleasure of, of conducting the London Orchestra, the London Symphony Orchestra over there. And that's where, yeah, since then, uh, that's where I started conducting, essentially. I started to guest conduct a lot more uh, 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 all around the world. And, uh, man, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure, you know. And the other two, educator and new music advocate, I think kind of fit, fit more closely together. In 2019, I uh, started a, non, a nonprofit called Impulse New Music Festival, INMF. And we essentially bring uh, composers and and performers together to uh, to premiere and perform and uh, record new new works. You know, we've been around now for four years, and uh, we've premiered, I think, over fifty new compositions. Oh, wow! So, yeah, we're just I'm I'm incredibly proud, honestly, a bit of uh, what we've been able to achieve and. You know how we've been able to help these these young people kind of move their own careers forward. What motivated you to reach out to RSO upon hearing about the music director opening? You know, the first thought that ran through my mind when I heard the word Rockford, there was a clear image of Tom Hanks and Gina Davis, and Tom <laughs> Hanks was going, "There's no crying in baseball." <laughs> That was literally the first thought that went through my uh-huh. head, and that just put a smile on my face. So I said, you know, this is worth looking into just just on that alone. And, you know, like when you look into an orchestra, you you, you tend to see generally the same types of things. There's programming, there's, there's you know, some kind of education, some kind of outreach. So that's that's what I was expecting to see. When I went to the education page specifically, it took me a good hour just to get through how much content – there actually was. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how many resources there are for educators. It's, I mean, I, I, I learned so much myself, you know, and there was one program that, um, that completely convinced me, let's say, that this is the place where I, where I would like to be. And that was the band grandpas. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably because I just had my own daughter about a, about a year ago. That's my first, and actually we have a second one on the on the well, way right now in March. Thank you. You know, it's uh, it was really, really incredible to see an, or- an organization that um, values its community so much, and that's the kind of that's the kind of team that I want to be a part of. <laughs> well, kind of expanding on that, yep. we know we know that a music director will do things like plan the concert and sure. obviously conduct the orchestra but what other facets of the position do you feel are important as it relates to the symphony organization and to the community oh gosh that's a long one yeah it is well well in a nutshell let's say there are the music director is the representative of the of the orchestra but he or she is also the representative of the community to the orchestra. So on the podium, you know, like you said, we plan the seasons, we plan the programming, we conduct, obviously rehearse, that part's clear. But it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, there is, it's, in my opinion, it's the job of a, of a modern orchestra 
to serve its community as much as possible, not just on the podium with its, you know, with its music. We have to bring music to communities that aren't going to hear it. We have to bring programming, new, new works that haven't been heard before, uh, standard works that haven't been heard, heard before. And uh, it's, that's really the music director's um, one responsibility, but I'd say privilege. It's, it's, their, it's, their, it's their privilege to make connections with the community, to start collaborations with. I mean, I just uh, walked, walked into the Discovery Center here. I, you know, I saw Rockford Dance Company right, right next door. And of course, the Discovery Center Museum itself. And there's so many incredible opportunities around Rockford for collaborations and new programming and new artistic works in, in general. So it's a, it's a long list of priorities, but that's, that's, the, that's the fun of the job. Well, you mentioned works that have not been heard before. Mm-hmm. So the first piece <clears throat> on Saturday's program is one of those, I believe, <laughs> uh, Mothership by Mason Bates. Mason Bates has been described as making a career out of the intersections of music and technology. How so? <laughs> well, if you come to the concert this, this weekend, you're going to hear exactly why that's the case. So, uh, so Mason Bates, the way that I came across this piece, it was by pure accident. I was on, I was on YouTube as I often am, that's where a lot of a lot of new music actually actually pops up. It's a great place to post your music because it will be heard. And I knew about Mason Bates, and I was thinking, you know, I, I want to program a concert uh, for Rockford here that's a combination of some standard repertoire, maybe some new things that people haven't heard, and maybe some new genres that they haven't heard. And I just looked up um, Mason Bates, and the first piece was the was the YouTube Symphony with Michael. Tilson Thomas, who actually premiered the work, and it was this piece, Mothership. I said to myself, what in the heck is that going to be about, you know? So, you know, but I saw some nice lights over there and a, a beautiful show that uh, went along with it. And so I gave it a click. I said, you know, let's see what this is about. Two minutes later, my, my uh, wife walks, walks into the room. I'm there in my, in, my, in my headphones, and I'm just grooving back and forth at my own desk. <laughs> So that was the, that was a clear sign to me that this piece needs to find its way on the program. I mean, there is there is a, a, to answer your question about technology, there is a piece or a part specifically in this in this piece uh, for laptop. It is pre it's pre recorded sounds for laptop, and you have those oh, kinds really? of sounds like That's club amazing. yeah like club beat sounds and guitars and all kinds of things that you would expect to see in a film score, for example. And it's just beautifully inter- interwoven into this uh, techno jazz infused piece. So it's it's quite a treat. Well, you described the sound. So <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the next featured composer, and that's yeah. Paul Dooley. Mm-hmm. Tell us something about him. So Paul Dooley, the first time that I met Paul Dooley, gosh, it feels like a hundred years ago at this point. It was in two thousand eleven. We were both at the Cabrillo uh, Music Festival. I was there for the conducting program he was there for the composition program and uh i i actually hadn't seen him since this was in 2011 and again when i um was programming this concert i was thinking gosh i i would really love to um uh 
to program a soloistic piece that's, you know, that's, again, not just the standard repertoire, something that can really move, move an audience, but along the lines of a new piece. And I uh, had heard of some great pieces recently that, that, Paul, that Paul Dooley wrote through uh, another conductor friend of mine, which is often how we hear about new, new, well, like new pieces, new works. And I contacted him about doing that piece specifically, which, which was another percussion concerto of his. And he said, you know, Vlad, I'd love to do that piece. Absolutely. But what do you think of a brand new composition specifically for Rockford? And all the lights just, you know, just went off at that point. I said, absolutely. What a great idea. And he had a, a percussionist in mind, specifically Daniel Gonzalez, who's going to join us this Saturday. And it's, yeah, it's a brand new composition. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. It's actually along the same uh, theme as the uh, Tchaikovsky, Francesca. It's along that same, same thing about two, two souls that are essentially soaring through the air. And it's just beautifully evocative piece. There's, I'm sure the audience will love it. It tells a, a tragic love story, I mm-hmm. believe. Would you, would you give us an idea, a little more idea about what we're going to hear and something about the percussionist and what she <laughs> will be doing? Well, the the percussion solo specifically is actually on three on three instruments. It's on it's on the marimba, which is uh, like an extended uh, xylophone essentially. Mm-hmm. It's for crotales, which are little tiny pitched uh, cymbals, and it's for suspended cymbal, like actually you know, mm-hmm. like uh, that sound of a cymbal. So it's three instruments in in one, and sh- and she's going to alternate between them throughout the piece. So she'll be moving. She'll be moving along the stage. It's a, it's a very mobile piece. But um, it's – what I loved about it is it's a very accessible piece. It speaks the same – it's in the same musical uh, language, let's say, as the Tchaikovsky, as the, as the Inescu, the tonal system, you know, is what we call it. And um, gosh, he's just such a talented composer. He uses – like like uh in the first movement for example there's this there's this one section where the specific harmonies that that he that he uses they just remind me i don't know if you remember the 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 old films from the 40s 50s like the uh purple robe or uh spartacus ben spartacus, ben sure. you know ben hur yeah it's it's just so evocative of that of that way those types of harmonies that that you know were used to evoke ancient rome or ancient greece ancient life it, it it just brought me back, absolutely, and I think uh, I think everyone will love it. Well, it sounds exciting. It it is. <laughs> well, then we move on uh, at the close of the first half. We will hear what was described as battle music, <laughs> and I can understand why because they're from the movies Gladiator and yep. Troy. You talk about battles. And they respectfully, uh, respectfully were composed by Hans Zimmer and uh, James Horner. Mm-hmm. So why did you choose these two pieces in particular for this program? And, and what, what is each piece depicting in the movies? Well, in terms of what they're depicting, that one is uh, very, very easy. The Troy... Is uh, the piece from Troy is called Achilles leads leads the um, Myrmidons, which were essentially his his tribe of uh, 
of uh, barbaric mm-hmm. killers. He were, you yes. know, like they were the absolute, the best of the best, let's say. And uh, he's leading them onto the beach of Troy. And this is, and this is the music that played in the film Troy with Brad Pitt in 2004. Uh, that's playing in the background during that, that scene, which, well, okay, let me put it this way. Troy is an incredible piece. Uh, Gladiator, the music from Gladiator, this suite plus plus the song plus all of the entire soundtrack. In my opinion, we will be talking about that that music five hundred years from now, the way we talk now about Beethoven Nine. It's it's that level of just complexity mixed with absolute simplicity at the you know at the same time. And uh, I actually wanted to conduct these these works before I even knew I wanted to be a conductor. So Gladiator came out, I think it was 2000, mm-hmm. and Troy in 2004. You know, I've been listening to these works ever since then. And this was before I, you know, like while I was playing piano back in those days. And uh, this is the first time I finally have a chance to actually conduct them. So it's, this is a unique privilege for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, that music is an example of how music can uh, really make a movie. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the films themselves were also great, you know, like, like no doubt, but, but the scores behind yeah, them are, exactly. they, they are what propelled them to that exactly. interesting level, let's say. Well, then let's look at the second half of the program. Uh, we begin with Tchaikovsky's symphonic poem, Francesca de Rimini, mm-hmm. and why in particular did Tchaikovsky like symphonic poems? <laughs> oh, boy. Tchaikovsky was, was one of those minds, uh, those musical minds, let's say, that he loved the world of uh, fantasy in, in general. You know, like in, like, in the middle of all of his all of his works, you'll always find at least a few bars, maybe an entire section, where he just takes a break from 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 the entire drama of of what happened before, to just enjoy a a ballet section, mm-hmm. you know, to just stop the drama and live in this in his own fantasy world. So I think the symphonic poem specifically, which is more free than a symphony, it's not so formally tied was was absolutely perfect for him you know and this this piece uh, uh specifically he wrote it it was 1876 i think is uh when he wrote it which was coincidentally it was the first year that wagner did his uh, uh his ring cycle and uh tchaikovsky actually went went to that first uh production in bayreuth and he and he wrote a, a review which in some parts is nice, some some parts not not quite so much. But he learned a lot from Wagner, which is which is why you hear, for example, in this piece, the brass more than anything he wrote before. This is this is the piece that kind of launched, you know, Tchaikovsky's unique voice, I think. And man, is it is it an incredible piece? It is. It's like uh, uh, it's like I told the orchestra the first time we uh, just rehearsed it the other day is. You are you are quite literally you're taking a walk through hell, and you see these 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 two people, Francesca and her lover Paolo. Like you see them in a in an 
eternal uh, whirlwind in the middle of hell, and then you get inside the whirlwind, and you and you see them interact together, and then you come back out, and there's an earthquake in hell that drags them down. That's wow. <laughs> that's what you're gonna yeah exactly that's what you're gonna be listening to, and there's no better person to do it than uh, Tchaikovsky. Ooh, that's very intriguing. No, that's the underworld portion. We started from the mothership. Yep. We got all the yeah, way to I the see underworld. Now. I see where you... we went through the battle music, and that's how and we here, all got to the underworld. We supposedly, here we are. We're, we're there. <laughs> well, then the final selection mm-hmm. is the Romanian Rhapsody Number no. One by George Enescu. So, tell us something about him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and along with that, I believe that much of his music is based on Romanian folk music. Is that true with the piece we're going to hear? Well, um, yes, absolutely. So the, so, so the Romanian Rhapsodies, there are actually two in that set. We're just doing the first one. It's the more well-known. It, it, it was written um, just after he left the conservatory. So he was a musical prodigy. One of the most, probably one of the most amazing musical prodigies that I think have ever existed. And uh, he started conservatory very, very young. And when he graduated, these were among the first, the first pieces along with the Romanian poem for chorus and orchestra that essentially launched him into the compositional avant-garde, if you will. And uh, yes, they are absolutely based on folk music. This, like these are all uh, Romanian songs, which he, gosh, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It's it's the first time that I did this piece. I think it's the most fun I've ever had on a podium in in you know in my entire life, and it's going to be even more fun this you know this uh, this weekend. I promise, but. You know, one story I like to tell about Inescu always is, uh, just so you have an idea of the kind of musical mind that we're dealing with, is he was asked, you know, uh, by, a, by a friend of his one time, he was asked, if we lost all of Beethoven's compositions, if we just don't have the scores and, and no more copies, could you reproduce all of them? And he, and he jokingly looks back, oh, come on, of course not, that's insane. Just the symphonies, the string quartets, the string trios, the <laughs> piano sonatas, and the violin sonatas, and his opera. That's all. That's all. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the kind of musical mind you're, you know, that we're working with at this point. And unfortunately, the, the thing about the Romanian Rhapsodies is they were so popular that they overshadowed his, his future compositions, which... Some they they are based to some degree on uh, uh, on folk music, but he went in his own direction completely, and it's it's incredibly complicated music, but beautiful music at the at the same time. And these rhapsodies, they were such a spark of imagination at such a young age that they just overshadowed all all of that stuff throughout his entire career. But they're still a jewel; they're an absolute jewel to listen to and. It will be the most fun, like I said, that I will ever have on a podium again. Well, it sounds like the uh, people that are attending the concert will have fun also. (laughs) Yes, absolutely they will. Well, thank you so much for being here, Vlad. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Bill. You have been listening to a conversation with RSO music director, finalist Vlad Vizarano. 
Tickets are still available for his concert from the mothership to the underworld. And now we know what that means. <laughs> Which happens this Saturday, November 12th, 7.30 p.m. at the Coronado Performing Arts Center. Be part of the choice. For tickets and more information, go to rockfordsymphony.com or call 815-965-0049. This is Phil Davidson, and thank you for listening.